BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's Thursday, March 2nd, and thanks for joining us for another episode of The Ben Jarofsky Show. On today's show, we've got special guest 35th Ward Alderman, Carlos Ramirez Rosa. The Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, so much more, columns from Ben Jarofsky, and so many other great writers over at The Reader. You want to help yourself? You want to help Ben Jarofsky? Simple. Just do one thing. Head on over to ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this worse than Epton Thursday, and here's why. Yes. (laughs) My guest, Carlos Ramirez Rosa, knows why I'm doing this, because I told him I was going to do this before I came on the show. But thinking about this, a lot of people these days, since uh, Paul Vallis emerged victorious, as we all sort of knew he would, uh, from Tuesday's primary to, to face off against Brandon Johnson, Cook County Commissioner Brandon Johnson, uh, that we were going to have a repeat of 1983. So for all you youngsters out out there who weren't born in 1983, and that includes uh, my distinguished guest, Carlos Ramirez Rosa, wasn't born in 1983, but he knows his history, unlike a lot of you millennials out there. <laughs> Arump, <laughs> the old man. Arump. Uh, in 1983, uh, we had a, a primary system for electing mayors, not uh, a bipartisan system or nonpartisan system that we have now. Uh, and so Harold Washington, the great Harold Washington, the greatest mayor of the city of Chicago ever had, uh, emerged from the Democratic Party as a Democratic Party's candidate to face off against a Republican. And traditionally, the Democrats mopped the floor with the Republicans. It wasn't even close. I think Jane Byrne in 1979 got like 79% of the vote. Uh, against Wallace Johnson. I cannot believe I remember the name of the Republican. That's a cry for help. Uh, and uh, so you can look it up, ladies and gentlemen. It was like 79%. So in other words, she mopped the floor. It wasn't close. It was a joke. It was a laugher. Uh, and so it was just because most people in the city of Chicago are uh, Democrats. Well, uh, guess what happened? Harold Washington, a black man, uh, was victorious. And the white people lost their freaking minds. And in mass, they ran and voted for Bernie Epton who was the Republican, and he was a white man. And that's pretty much all they needed. I could have run. <laughs> okay, on the Republican. They would look at that name, Ben Jarofsky, and they go, white guy. That's all I need to know. I would, And I wouldn't have campaigned, ladies and gentlemen. You know I don't like to get up early. You don't really like – I'm not really into shaking hands, particularly since the pandemic, Carlos. I'm like, I always do like the, the bumps of the album. I'm really into shaking hands these days. So you can imagine me trying to get votes in 1983. I'm like, you know what? You guys, I'm white. Just vote for me, okay? Because that's pretty much all you're going to do anyway. Vote for the white guy. And I probably would have gotten the same amount of votes as Bernie Epton did. But the, here's the thing. Bernie Epton was not a bad guy. 
there's a big difference between Bernie Epton and Paul Vallis. People are like, oh, it's 1983 all over. Paul Vallis is the Bernie Epton guy. I'm going to defend Bernie Epton. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to do something that nobody has ever done in the history of the city of Chicago since 1983. I'm going to defend Bernie Epton. He was not a bad guy. My wife used to have a landowner. He used to go, I'm not the bad guy. Or they'd be haggling over the rent. Anyway, he's not a bad guy, uh, Bernie Epton, before that campaign. He was a liberal state representative from Hyde Park, a Jewish guy, a World War II vet, a civil rights advocate. Just think about this for a He believed in integration. Let that, let that settle in your little brains, people. <laughs> right now, we're really into tribalism and segregation in the city of Chicago. Paul Vallis, the man that most of you are poised to vote for, like most of you white people are poised to vote for, the man you love more than sliced bread and cheese. You love this guy. He killed pretty much the busing program in the city of Chicago. Young Carlos Ramirez Rosa knows this because he was a young scholar. I believe he, wow, God, I know the school you went to. I just can't remember. It's a public school in the north side. You went there with Inter-American Magnet School. all those little, yes, those little scholars that are American. I remember them. Uh, I believe Jessica Gutierrez was also a proud graduate of Inter-American Magnet School. Anyway. Uh, Paul Vallis in the 1990s said, you know what? We're spending too much money on busing. So I'm going to discontinue busing. I'm going to sharply limit busing. And I'm going to save, I think it was $10 million a year because it's outrageous. <laughs> Open window, throw out integration in the city of Chicago, ladies and gentlemen, because the way they got black kids from the South Side to go to, let's say, Inter-American Magnet was to put them on a bus and drive them there. And that $10 million a year was considered an investment in integration. What a concept, huh? Threw that out the window. Got rid of it to save $10 million for what? I don't know. I don't know what they used it on. But suddenly integration wasn't worth it. I remember this because I lived through it. Wrote about it. Thought about it. And Bernie Epton at least was for integration. In those days, we had this strange system where there were three state reps from each district. So that guaranteed, like, the minority party would have a a voice, which is an interesting concept. We did away with it, Pat Quinn. You know, I didn't agree with you on that one, but whatever. That's a whole long story. We did away with it. uh, and But in the old days, Bernie Epton was a Republican from Hyde Park. And he was liberal. I know this is hard. It's going to blow your mind, ladies and gentlemen. He was liberal. He was a liberal like Charles Percy. I know these are ancient names. You don't know what I'm talking about. But in those days, there was a liberal wing, a liberal wing of the Republican Party. So Bernie Epton was totally preparing to run against Jane Byrne, and he was going to run as a liberal Republican. What happened? Harold won. And the, the mob started chanting his name, and he lost his mind. That's what happened. He lost his mind. He got, he got caught up in the moment. And started playing to the crowd before it's too late. Like he was the great white hope that was going to save Chicago from chaos and crime. Man, some of the same themes we're going to be hearing in the next few weeks. And he got hit. Yeah, that was that Bernie Epton that emerged in the 2000, the 1983 mayoral contest was not the Bernie Epton who entered that contest. I got to give him credit. I got to show him some respect. I interviewed him. I knew the man. I thought he lost his mind. He was not. The Bernie Epton I knew. Also knew his brother, Saul Epton, a judge, Cook County judge. Paul Vallis, different creature, ladies and gentlemen. Unlike Bernie Epton, he's no liberal. He doesn't believe in integration. And here's something else you should know. If you view the mobs of people that propelled Bernie Epton into a significant political figure in 1983 that fueled his campaign as the antecedents 
to MAGA, which they are, you should know Bernie Epton was not among them before his campaign, and he did not court them before his campaign. Paul Vallis has been courting MAGA for the last two years. Don't kid yourself, Chicago. Don't kid yourself. Paul Vallis has been courting MAGA. He's been going on the Genie Ives show, the most fiercely anti-abortion zealot in the state of Illinois. You could look her up if you don't know her. She ran against Ronner in 2018, Chicago. You should know who she is. Shannon Adcock, the leader of Awake, Illinois. You don't know about her? Look her up. You should know about her. So total right winger, parents' choice, got a transphobic, take books out of libraries. And Johnny Catanzara, right here, Fraternal Order Police. But he loves Donnie Trump so much, he wears a Trump T-shirt. Those are Paul, the people Paul Vallis was courting. Now, now he's got Tommy Tony standing next to him. Oh, he's a law, a big friend of the gay community. I'm laughing. That's the funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> big friend of the gay community. Oh yeah, uh, hanging out with Shannon Hancock and woke Illinois. Wake up, you know what? You should wake up, Chicago. You believe this stuff. Look, you want to vote for Paul Vallis because you're going through this MAGA thing. You like Charlie Kirk. You like Johnny Catanzara. I get it. That's your guy. But don't vote for him because you think, like, somehow or other, he's liberal on gay rights. Because Tommy Tunney, the alderman from the 44th Ward, said that. I mean, don't just believe something that Tom Tunney tells you. Anyway, I, so I, I, I have to say this in defense of Bernie Upton. In conclusion, he lost his mind with a mega campaign. The scary thing about Paul Vallis is that he has been courting that MAGA movement. He, like, wants their support. That's a frightening thought when you think about him as mayor, Paul Vallis. All right, further ado, I'm going to bring on uh, this distinguished alderman of the 35th Ward, uh, Carlos Ramirez Rosa, good friend of the show. Uh, welcome back, Cotter, to our humble little podcast. How's it going, Ben? It's really great to be with you, particularly as we enter the next five weeks. April 4th is going to be historic, and I'm just really excited because uh, you have been studying this stuff and writing about this stuff for decades, as you just shared with us. Um, and so you have a real clear uh, viewpoint of uh, where we've been and where we're headed as a city. Yes. That's a really polite way of saying, damn, Ben, you're old. Uh, but uh, I, I will say this, Carlos. I was one of the people who just immediately th thought 83 as uh, it became more and more obvious that it was going to be Brandon Johnson uh, versus Valsico, 83, 83. But I also think it's probably, it, there's a chance it's going to be more like 89. And I talk about this on the show all, as well. And in 89, that's when Daly took back, quote unquote, <laughs> the city of Chicago. Uh, from the rabble rousers uh, who uh, were in charge when Harold Washington was running the city. That's how they viewed it. And that's because there was a division in the black community and the black candidates split the vote and Daly took it back. Uh, and the Vallis campaign right now seems to be striking, being heading in the direction of 89 Daly as opposed to 83 uh, Apton. Okay. Uh, I, just, I disagree. Paul Take Vallis it away. No, Paul Vallis is no Daly. Um, you know, Paul Vallis is the architect of school privatization. He has failed at every single job that he has had. He's been run out of cities all across the United States, New Orleans, Philadelphia. 
Um, he is someone who has come out against abortion rights. Now he's trying to walk that back. He's someone that has called himself a Republican, run as a Republican. You know, Daley's father was an architect of the Chicago Democratic machine. And so Daley could count on a lot of support uh, that Paul Vallis is not going to be able to count on. And I think also, um, ultimately, Black voters are going to rally and unite behind Brandon Johnson. 1989, there was no Harold Washington. Harold had died. And I think when you look at Brandon, his trajectory, he's a son of a pastor. He's a family man raising his family on the west side of the city of Chicago. Uh, he's someone that was raised to be a pastor. Um, I think when you look at Brandon, I think he really captures that magic that Harold Washington had, uh, that ability to unite people of all backgrounds, to enter a room, even rooms that are hostile, and make people crack up and like the guy. Um, I think that Brandon is, is, is truly a dynamic candidate and a coalition builder, and he has a strong track record. Um, so to me, I think if you, if you look at the dynamics of the race, uh, there's no question to me that Vallis is an Epton and that Brandon Johnson is a Harold Washington. And we're looking at a 1983 historic election um, where we're going to you know, bring people together from all across the city and have a stronger, safer, better Chicago for everyone. All right. So in your opinion, uh, if this if there this is similar to eighty three, and I'll and I'll go with you on this one for the moment for the conversation. If you if you you do think see some parallels between the eighty three mayoral campaign and today, what in your opinion is different about Chicago today in two thousand? And I understand you weren't even born in eighty three, but you you are a student of history, uh, and so um, so. What is different about Chicago today in twenty twenty three that makes you optimistic? that Brandon Johnson can get elected? Well, I think first and foremost, we saw a multiracial coalition come together on February 28th to get Brandon Johnson from 2% to 20% in just a few weeks. Um, in my community, uh, the Northwest side, we saw young Latinos voting for Brandon Johnson in huge numbers. They preferred Brandon over Chewy, over Paul Vallis. Uh, we saw uh, young white professionals come out in a huge number. So in 1983, you only had the lakefront liberals, right? But all across the Northwest side, all across the city of Chicago in white enclaves, you had older, more conservative, ethnic, white ethnic voters uh, is what they called them at that point in time. And they were more conservative than the lakefront liberals. Now we got lakefront liberals and we got Milwaukee Avenue progressives. So there's more people that are ready to vote for Brandon Johnson and for a multiracial coalition that's going to deliver the progressive change that our city so desperately needs. The 46th Ward, Brandon killed it. The 48th Ward, Brandon killed it. The 49th Ward, Brandon killed it. Off of the lakefront, just a little bit west in the 47th Ward, Brandon killed it. The 47th Ward Democrats, one of the city's strongest Democratic organizations that do great work turning out their voters, they just endorsed Brandon yesterday. Uh, on the Northwest side, the 33rd Ward, the 1st Ward, the 26th Ward, the 35th Ward, Brandon killed it. So you have this coalition in place. Brandon is in the runoff today because Black voters, white voters, and Latino voters, and Asian voters, and voters from all across the city came together sent him to the runoff, and that coalition is simply going to grow exponentially over the next several weeks, particularly as people find out the contrast between these two candidates. In Brandon, we have a coalition builder. We have a Democrat, Cook County Commissioner, who has delivered additional resources for the west side and the south side and is committed to working collaboratively with every community to make sure that everyone has the things that they need to thrive and everyone has a seat at the table. In Paul Vallis, we have a Republican 
who dismantled our public education system, who left CPS in ruins, who does not know how to manage a uh, school budget, but knows how to serve the money interests behind him. And that's the type of corruption that Chicagoans are tired of. We are tired of it under Daly. We are tired of it under Rahm Emanuel. Um, and certainly, you know, uh, people were not very happy with some of the things that Lori Lightfoot did after she promised to bring in the light and continued some of those same broken, corrupt practices. So I think there's a clear contrast here. You know, if if you think that uh, that uh, the candidate of Darren Bailey and right wing activist Charlie Kirk and MAGA Republican John Cadenzera is going to be the uh, mayor of the city of Chicago, then I think you should get out of downtown in the little tiny bubble and circle that you live in and go into the neighborhoods. We are a progressive and liberal democratic city and we're not electing a Republican on April 4th. All right. And what's, what about the fear factor? Uh, well, we've and- seen that. We've seen it, Ben. I mean, how many times do we got to go through this? Honestly, I was, I was tweeted out today. I was like, we have to tax the rich. One, because we need to fund social programs and public safety programs. But two, because there are way too many Republican wealthy donors who are just setting piles of cash on money, supporting these crazy right wing candidates. Darren Bailey, what was that about? I mean, they were sending us these fake newspapers. God knows how many millions were spent. He was on TV. They put a video of this woman being attacked on TV. Um, and guess what? Democrats grew their majority in Springfield. J.B. Pritzker elected overwhelmingly in 2020 at the height of the pandemic, at the height of the pandemic, when people were out in the streets rioting and demanding justice, um, Kim Fox wins. She wins her her primary against Bill Conway, who, unlike Paul Vallis, is a Democrat, had a ton of money. I think Bill Conway spent more money for (laughs) Cook County State's attorney than Paul Vallis is gonna spend uh, this cycle. Uh, Kim Fox elected uh, overwhelmingly in the Democratic primary. And then she faces a Republican opponent uh, in uh, November 2020. So this is after the riots. This is after people took to the streets. Um, And again, you know, you got Marianne Ahern on on NBC talking about how things are horrible and Jesse Smollett and God, they threw everything at her. And she wins overwhelmingly again, particularly in the city of Chicago. So I, I, I don't know. I think some of these Republican donors, they, they really got to like get outside, touch some grass. They're really delusional right now, but they're going to work themselves up into a frenzy and they're going to spend five weeks putting a lot of scary ads on uh, TV um, and they're going to try and fool the voters and they're going to try and misinform the voters. Um, we're going to have to do work as progressives, as Democrats to make sure that, you know, people understand what's at stake here and how important this election it is and why we all got to get out and vote for progressive coalition builder Brandon Johnson over, you know, Republican Paul Vallis. But I think when when everything is said and done, Brandon Johnson is going to carry the day the same way Kim Fox uh, won uh, in 2020. All right. Uh, that was a good analogy, the Kim Fox thing. Uh, I, I forgot that you were going to I forgot. I actually forgot about that. You know, it's funny. <laughs> there's been so many fearful races. You're right. And yeah. When you went on that riff, I'm like, oh, my God, you're right. Bill Conway, yeah. who will be your colleague in the city council, by the way, from the he's going to sit right next to me. And, I, and he's actually, you know, we've had some good conversations. That's um, right. 34, 35th. Yeah, he's the 34th, ward. which in, in hindsight, I'm like, maybe we should have renumbered the wards, you know, swapped out one with 34. Um, but who knows? That probably would have cost a lot. More. Oh, God. Change some it's like names. basketball when someone comes to a new team and wants the jersey and the other guy like who has the jersey makes you. 
pay up for it. You want something? It's going to cost you. Could you imagine if they proposed switching the first ward to I don't know the south side? People in the first ward would be so. God, how dare you! All right. Carlos, you mentioned getting the vote out. And one of the secrets of success that Brandon Johnson had and uh, a lot of uh, lefty candidates had, we'll get into the automatic races, uh, is a formidable knocking on doors uh, grassroots campaign. Uh, It's now become conventional wisdom. Even the mainstream journalists uh, know this, that there's a good field effort by from the left. You know, now even that, that they if like if you turn on Channel 11 and you just listen to whatever they're saying, even they will be saying that. Okay, so, um, so now there's. It's interesting. I'm like, okay, so how will the mainstream media turn this against the left? I'm like, it's going to take a while because in the old days they used to make fun of lefties. Oh, you, you know, you guys don't know how to play the game. We know how to play the game, and they would lecture lefties. If you're going to get involved, you have to understand how the game is played. You can't just like espouse your little philosophies to yourself. Now they've turned. I'm watching it. So I read the Chicago Tribunal editorial. I understand, yes, I shouldn't be reading Chicago Tribune editorials, Carlos, but, you know, I do it just to see what the other side said. And so they go, Chicago Teachers Union, the new machine. (laughs) So now they're trying to, like, turn liberal voters against the CTU because it's like good government. I just need to hear you riff on this for a moment. The notion that Chicago Teachers Union is a machine. Go. The CTU hate is just so idiotic to me. Who are teachers? Teachers are the people that we entrust our children with. They're our neighbors. Uh, there are tens of thousands of CTU members all across the city of Chicago, because unlike uh, you know CPD, uh, FOP members, they don't decide to just live in two neighborhoods. Um, so CTU members are our neighbors. They live on our block. We have block parties with them. They uh, take care of our children, provide them with an education. They're fighting for uh, a nurse in every school, a social worker in every school, a librarian and a fully uh, resourced library in every school. God forbid that we fight for those things for our children. Um, You know, if you look at CTU's polling numbers, they are more popular and more favorable than the vast majority of politicians in the city of Chicago. I mean, some of these politicians that have run for office and been elected many times would kill to have CTU's favorability. If you look at the FOP's favorability, I mean, they're as despised as Trump is here in this big blue city of the city of Chicago on this big blue lake. Um, Why? Because the FOP is right-wing lunatics, right? Who want to push a fascist agenda that is against the diverse, inclusive values that the vast majority of Chicagoans hold. Um, so, so yeah, I don't really understand the the CTUK. It's it's been plastered on uh, the the main papers for years uh, when CTU went on strike because Rahm Emanuel was closing schools and refusing to fully resource uh, our children's classrooms. Um, people said, "Well, CTU is going to lose this fight because the TV." They're gonna, I think the Walton bought, like the Walmart family bought ads attacking the teachers' union. And guess what? The CTU came out more popular than ever because guess what? People like when you have adults fighting for our children and fighting for the things that they need. Um, so yeah, I, I don't really understand this obsession that the Chicago Tribune editorial board has with the CTU. But obviously, their attacks have failed because if you look at uh, you know where. Uh, voters stand with the CTU. They're overwhelmingly in support of the CTU and the agenda that the CTU fights for. 
Um, and I think also at the end of the day, an election is about making choices. So um, if you're concerned about, uh, you know, Brandon Johnson's relationship with the CTU, well, I hope you're also then concerned about Brandon Johnson's relationship with that. Uh, Pete, uh, by that, I mean, Paul Vallis. <laughs> I hope you're also concerned about Paul Vallis's relationship with that. Um, and, and I think the vast majority of Chicagoans would rather have a mayor that is allied with the Chicago Teachers Union than a mayor that's allied with the FOP. The polling shows that out. Conversations in the community show that. Um, so I, I think it's really just the Tribune editorial board that has this obsession and this hatred for the Chicago Teachers Union. Well, it's it's more than the Chicago Tribune. I'm, I'm picking on them. Uh, but I think there it's... Uh, oh, pa Paris Schultz, he had that like segment on Chicago tonight where he got together like five people who like had run a slate to take over the union and had lost embarrassingly. And they were like sitting there and they were like talking smack about CTU. And he was like, there's a revolt around the ranks. And I was like, what? Like, this is not, well, this is okay. not. but I'm, I mean, uh, I mean, Bruce Rauner hated the Chicago teachers union. Kenny G Ken Griffin hated the Chicago teacher. Where are him. they now? Aren't they in Florida? Florida. <laughs> They're in Florida. <laughs> but, and, and where's Lori now? Oh, well, oh, she's down the block. Uh, yeah, she, she's your neighbor. <laughs> Be nice to Lori Lightfoot, okay? Um, all right, let's talk uh, endorsements, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. So I mentioned this earlier. Uh, former alderman. I, I think he still is alderman. Uh, so uh, alderman Tom Tony. Well, the last thing I'll say, though, about CTU. Mm-hmm. CTU and Brandon fought to make sure that we had community voice in electing our school's leadership. See, the status quo under Daly and Rahm and uh, Lori Lightfoot was that the mayor put their friends in, and then those friends doled out big contracts to special interests, doled out big contracts to the mayor's campaign donors. The, the moneyed elite liked the mayoral appointed school board because it allowed them to privatize, it allowed them to award contracts. CTU fought for real community voice and real democracy, and we won that. And so the mayor will no longer have control over our public schools. We're going to be able to elect the school board in just a couple of years. So this notion that, you know, we can't have a mayor that's allied with the teachers union, one, the mayor is no longer going to have control of our public schools. But you know who the mayor is going to continue to have control over? The FOP contract. So if you think that there shouldn't be a mayor that's in the pocket of a union, then you should not be for Paul Vallis. Because Paul Vallis is going to be there on the fifth floor giving John Cadenzera whatever he wants on that FOP contract. Yeah. All right. I, I, I just have to say this because before we pass, I the, listen, I, I've been following the hate of the Chicago Teachers Union for a long time. Uh, and uh, it was it was like embryonic. Even in the days when the CTU was part of the Daily Machine, it had its own corner of it. But every time teachers would talk about getting a raise, like the Tribune would be denouncing it. The Republicans would be denouncing it. But the no, I like they bring on the, uh, the the standard line. Just follow me on this one, Carlos. The standard line of liberal Chicago uh, that we should be concerned about Breda Johnson's connections to the Chicago Teachers Union. He was a paid employee of the Chicago Teachers Union. Uh, is that, as the Sun-Times, once we put it, uh, he will be negotiating with his allies when it comes to a teachers' union contract, so, which means, I guess, teachers will get more money. Follow me on this. But then Channel 11 <laughs> brings in these teachers who say they don't like SDG, Stacey Davis-Gates, and the union, and they don't want Brandon to win. So wait a minute. What's it going to be? 
Are they <laughs> are they going to just give more money to the teachers, or is it the teachers don't want the money? You know what I'm saying? Like that this like. I'm like, if I'm a teacher in Chicago and I hate SDG for whatever reason, okay? I don't think she's democratic. I, you got your complaints. I understand it. Interunion fights. I understand. There's people who don't like Stacey Davis Gates and the heads of the, and the people run the teachers union. But if you're going to get your guy in office and the, the media is trying to defeat him by saying he's going to give you more money, why would you be against him? Carlos, nothing makes sense in the city of Chicago, okay? I'm just trying to tell you. That's a huge mixed message going out right there. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think it's just like this scatter shot, like we're going to throw everything at them, see what sticks approach. Um, and they've been doing this for years. And ultimately, when you are a democratic organization, because CTU elects their leadership, the members decide who represents them as their delegate at their school, who represents them citywide on the executive board of the union. They have very robust internal union democracy. And it was through that process where the elected delegates and the elected voices of the union members, uh, it was through that process that they, uh, you know, endorsed Brandon Johnson. Um, and, and God bless them for it, because Brandon is, is just such a dynamic individual. Uh, when you hear him speak, when you look at his track record, um, he is a true coalition builder, and he is truly the person that we need on the fifth floor. Um, so I'm really happy that the city of Chicago has a strong uh, worker-led movement where people who are on the front lines of serving our children uh, and doing the work day-to-day -day are coming together to uh, raise their voices and raise them for the things that our children need. Nurses, social workers, librarians, smaller class sizes. I mean, I, I honestly am so baffled that anyone would be upset about that. Do you think our children don't deserve librarians? Do you think our children don't deserve a social worker? Come on, give me a break. And I think that's why consistently, despite, you know, the Chicago Tribune and a certain class of people who are a minority attacking the CTU consistently, they continue to be extremely popular across the city of Chicago and in our neighborhoods. Because we know who's out there fighting for our kids and we know who's working every single day very hard to take care of our children and provide them with the best education against great odds. All right, uh, let's move on to the endorsement uh, that I was going to raise. Uh, there's the endorsements that have yet to come. We'll get to that. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts on Tom Tunney, Alderman of the 44th Ward, the outside, um, uh, <laughs> uh, on Halstead, and uh, what's the cross street? I'm blanking the Grace, I think it is, uh, and uh, the center on Halstead, and saying that Paul Vallis will be a champion uh, for gay uh, rights. He, <laughs> I just, I'm almost speechless. I, trying to um, articulate uh, a, a thought right now. So I'll just turn it over to you and let you riff. Uh, Tom, yeah. Tony, your colleague in the city council. You know, ahead. Tom, um, I've served with him now for eight years. Um, when I was a child, he was my older person. He came into office in 2000, was 11 years old. I lived in Lakeview. Um, and so I'm really grateful to him for, for being the first openly gay elected official in the city of Chicago. Um, but I, but I will say that he is a business owner um, and he has fought very ferociously against raising the minimum wage and keeping low wage workers in poverty. He has fought against basic protections for workers. And so ultimately, I think that his interests are aligned with moneyed interests, with the rich and powerful of this city. Those are his friends. His friends aren't black trans women that are facing violence in the city of Chicago. His friends are not black homeless youth. Uh, who many of them are gay and, and aren't even welcoming them in their home. 
but then face violence when they go to Boys Town and seek out a safe community. Those are not his friends. Those are not his people. So look, the LGBT community is a big community. And by and large, the LGBTQ uh, friends and, and family and individuals that I know, we're all with Brandon Johnson. Because Brandon Johnson released a very comprehensive platform that was written by trans activists and LGBTQ activists, a platform that will make sure that our community has the things that we need to be safe and to be fully integrated and included in this great city. Um, and the contrast is Paul Vallis, who has uh, aligned himself with the Wake Illinois and anti-LGBTQ hate groups, the very people who want to send us back into the closet. So shame, shame on Tom Tom. You know, I've, I've respected him. I've liked him. We disagree on a lot of bread and butter and economic issues. And I disagree ferociously with him on this endorsement. I'm sorry, Tom. I know that you're thinking with your pocketbook, but the rest of us here, we got to think with our hearts. We got to think with our minds. And uh, we're going to put the safety of trans people and LGBTQ people from all across the city. We're going to put their safety first. And we're not going to back someone like Paul Vallis, who has cozied up with homophobes and sought out their support and, and uh, their friendship uh, and worked with them to advance uh, their nasty homophobic agenda. And uh, Paul Vallis, did, did, that was a great riff, by the way. And Paul Vallis did go out to Wake, Illinois. And then he yeah. pretended he didn't know what Wake, Illinois was, which is He said the founder should run for governor. governor. Yes. Come on. Give me a break, Tom. That's Honestly, that's embarrassing. And I think that History will will judge him poorly, but look, he he doesn't care. He's gonna go back to making his um, uh, what is it? His muffins, his croissants. cinnamon rolls, <laughs> his cinnamon rolls. He's gonna make his cinnamon rolls, and he's gonna continue to try and find ways to nickel and dime his workforce so he can maximize his profits. Uh, and and he knows that that Paul Vallis is his guy, and he doesn't want a, a labor union leader. He doesn't want a lifetime. Uh, champion of the working class like Brandon Johnson in office. So that's what that's about. And it's just sad that he's willing to throw the rest of the LGBTQ community under the bus. Uh, just a brief 2002 was uh, I know this because uh, I wrote a story about two. I've written a story about everything, Carlos. <laughs> 2002 <laughs> was when Daly appointed uh, Tunney to fill the vacancy created by Bernie Hansen, who had been your alderman. And by the way, just this, let's pause, folks. Uh, junior high student Carlos Ramirez Rose was not that different than me. We were both geeks. Okay. <laughs> I knew the aldermen. I was in Evans. I even live in the city of Chicago. I like knew the aldermen, who the aldermen were. All right. And Carlos was kind of cut from the same cloth. Uh, all right. Uh, let's talk about some endorsements that haven't happened and get your thoughts on how they would impact the race. Uh, the obvious one, yeah, we'll start with Chewy Garcia. Uh, and uh, what's your thoughts about uh, who Chewy will endorse or whether he'll endorse anybody? Go ahead. Well, um, Chewy has been such a powerful progressive voice in Washington, D.C. Um, he has, uh, you know, been consistent in his support um, for progressive causes up until um, this race where we did have some differences on some key policies um, but I, I'm hopeful that he'll endorse uh, Brandon Johnson. Um, and and I, I think that, you know, we're going to see a really big coalition of Latinos come together to support Brandon. Um, we launched Latinos for Brandon a few weeks ago with Congresswoman Delia Ramirez, State Senators Omar Aquino and Christina Pacioni Zayas, uh, State Representative Lillian Jimenez, Mike Cook County Commissioner Anthony Joel Quesada, 
um, Alderwoman Rosana Rodriguez, Alderman Byron Sicho Lopez, a, a whole coalition of Latino business leaders, uh, community leaders, uh, leaders in every sector across the city of Chicago. Over 130 plus uh, Latino leaders came out for Brandon uh, prior to the runoff election. I think that coalition is going to grow even bigger uh, in the coming weeks. And, um, you know, I've already seen uh, a few uh, notable Brandon detractors uh, like uh, Ryan Garza, uh, who some of you may know as Alderwoman Susan Sadlowski's Garza's uh, son. Uh, he's come out for Brandon Johnson. Uh, I just got dinner with him last night. So I think we're coalescing and we're coming together. And I'm really looking forward to that coalition continuing to grow. Ryan Garza. I remember him from back in the day. Uh, I got to give my, my boy Ryan a shout out. <laughs> You know, we, uh, we both heads this cycle, but we're all yeah. together now for, for Brandon. And uh, I know everybody, all my lefty friends are mad at me because I always love Sue Garza and I will never say a bad word about her. Uh, all right. Uh, that's Ryan's mom. Uh, all right. Let's move on down the list. Uh, Willie Wilson. Who do you think Willie Wilson's going to endorse? Only Willie Wilson and God know. Uh, <laughs> now, Wilson. Um, Remind me, did he he endorse Chewy in the runoff in 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 fifteen? Oh my goodness! Uh, wow, I can't remember. You know, the, the, I just do not remember uh, who he endorsed in two. I know two thousand nineteen, he endorsed Lori Lightfoot. That was a big deal uh, because um, he was. Uh, Lori Lightfoot is uh, a lesbian. And so he was like, don't that's you should not hold that against her. He was saying that with church, uh, his uh, church uh, based supporters. So I don't know. who. And then he, and then he said he was going to this most recent cycle. He said he was going to get a helicopter if he won, that he was going to get a helicopter and have the cops surround Lori Lightfoot's house and then escort her back to Ohio. It's just bizarre. Just I, so confused. I miss that uh, one. And kind of appalled uh, by that. So, yeah, so Wilson did endorse Chewy in 2015. Okay. Um, and so, um, so yeah, I mean, I think um, very few people vote one way just because the candidate they supported in the first round is now endorsing someone, right? It's not like, you know, you vote for the candidate in the first round. And since you voted for that candidate, now they have your vote in a lockbox and they get to decide, right, who they give it to. Voters are complex. Um, voters uh, have a lot of different thoughts and a lot of different ways to view the world. I can't tell you how many Vallis Brandon Johnson voters I've met in the last several weeks leading up to February 28th. I would knock somebody's door and be like, hi, who are you planning to vote for? And they're like, I'm considering Vallis. And then number two, I'm considering Brandon Johnson. Or I'm between Vallis and I'm between Brandon Johnson. And then I would explain to them, Vallis is a longtime Republican. Here are the things that he said. This is how he's pushed the Republican agenda. This is Brandon Johnson. He's a progressive Democrat. And then they would say, all right, I'm going to vote for Brandon Johnson. So voters, you know, you would think if you listen to the media, our conversation, you would think that there's no way in hell that in the city of Chicago, there's someone that likes both Paul Vallis and Brandon Johnson. But the reality is, is that there's a lot of voters that do. So, um, so I think that, you know, look, there's going to be some people that supported Willie Wilson that are going to go with Paul Vallis. I suspect that at the end of the day, regardless of who Willie Wilson endorses, and I certainly hope he endorses, uh, you know, Brandon Johnson, but regardless of, of who um, some of the first round candidates endorse, ultimately voters have the right and the ability to make their own decision, and they are going to make their own decision. And right. I suspect that a lot of Lightfoot voters, 
a lot of um, Wilson voters, a lot of Chewy voters are going to go for Brandon uh, over Vallis in the second round. I, uh, I, I suspect that Brandon's going to get the lion's share of those votes. Uh, yeah, if I had made a bet, I would uh, I'd say that uh, uh, Willie Wilson endorses Paul Vallis. Yeah, they're uh, in this uh, another um, another businessman for yeah, Paul Vallis. Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> and just millionaires for Paul Vallis. By the way, this this broke uh, while I, just before we came on the air. Jesse White uh, has endorsed Paul Vallis. Uh, I can't say I'm surprised about that. They're both sort of daily administration uh, cronies, but uh, that's a big endorsement for Paul Vallis, and he's going to be very happy about it. Sure, we can we can ask Secretary of State Anna Valencia about Jesse White's endorsement and how important it is. Oh, wait. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait. <laughs> she was endorsed by Jesse White to replace him, but Alexi won. That's right. That's right. Okay. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, I forgot how quick. Carlos <laughs> <laughs> is on his feet. Uh, that was, I was, I was also to correct you. No, she's not. And then I go, oh, wait a minute. No, he's being clever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, then uh, there's Lori Lightfoot. I'm wondering what Lori Lightfoot's going to do. Uh, what do you think? I don't know. I again, I hope she endorses Brandon Johnson because he's the best candidate right now. Uh, and if you care about bringing people together in this city to advance an agenda that delivers needed resources for our neighborhoods, particularly for the most vulnerable families, <laughs> you've got to be with Brandon. And, you know, the mayor, um, to her credit, uh, we had to push her a lot, but to her credit, she did uh, pass some progressive policies and she's consistently spoken about her commitment to, to equity. So, look, I hope that she is with Brandon. But at the end of the day, again, I, I think we put way too much importance in, in these endorsements. Right. An endorsement matters most when it delivers money or or volunteers. Right. And, and most endorsements in the city of Chicago don't, uh, you know, lead to that. It's just another opportunity to get a headline. Right, to say, oh, look at this person, they endorse them. Um, and then the question is, is what's the message that they're putting out there when they're endorsing you? Um, and of course, look, Vallis is going to try and moderate. He's going to try and walk back his association with uh, Awake Illinois and hate groups and right-wing groups, but they're cozing right up to him. Yesterday, Darren Bailey was like, ah, Chicago, you're waking up. You know, <laughs> finally, Paul Vallis. Uh, Charlie Kirk horrific bigoted far-right activist is like on some screed and he's talking smack about little tiny grassroots independent political organizations as if they're this giant you know marxist plot um and he's giving a full-throated endorsement of uh paul vallis so to me i i think that those are the endorsements that your average democratic voter is going to be paying attention to in the city of chicago they don't want Darren Bailey's candidate. They don't want uh, Charlie Kirk's candidate. They don't want uh, John Cadenzera and the, and the FOP's candidate to be their mayor. All right, let's move on to the Chicago City Council. Uh, and uh, I must admit that that Tuesday night, putting the on the automatic level, good night for lefties. And um, once again, it caught me off guard. And, you know, I've told you so many times, Carlos, I've t I just always assume that anybody with my ideology will lose in the city of Chicago. You got to you gotta believe. Bro. I got to get over believe. that. 2023, man, we're winning. We're winning and we're delivering uh, oh, for neighborhoods all across this great city. Wow. Well, man, damn. Let's talk about it. Go run down the list. The school board. 
They said yeah, that yeah, was like, never going to happen. I, well, we got the Empowering Communities for Public Safety Ordinance to create civilian oversight of the Chicago police. They said that was never going to happen. Yeah. We made our city a true sanctuary where our local police can't work with ICE. They said that was never going to happen. Uh, we elected Delia Ramirez to Congress over the moderate, you know, Gil Viegas. I mean, we just, we are on a roll. And I think we're on a roll because people are progressive. They want to see their values reflected in City Hall, in Springfield, in Washington. And uh, they're paying attention to who is delivering for their neighborhoods and who's working collaboratively and together to help our families uh, and and to help particularly the people that, that are most vulnerable. So you uh, got to believe. You got to have hope. I got to have, have hope. hope. I always have hope. You know, I just, uh, you know what? If you talk to as many mainstream journalists as I do on a regular basis, you wouldn't be so hopeful, okay? Because they always talk, oh, but they can't win. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, they can't harumph. I think they just want to justify, you know, living in a city in some weird way. I don't know. Anyway, um, so uh, let's talk about uh, – by the way, I just want to shout out Jesse Puentes, 26 Ward. She will be a guest uh, on our show. And that show will drop on Saturday. So you want to hear the newly elected uh, lefty uh, alderwoman of the uh, 26 Ward. Jesse Puentes will be a guest on this show. Uh, all right. Run down some of the few uh, new faces and old faces that will be in the Chicago City Council and talk, if you will, about what that means for future legislation uh, in the 2023 and onward uh, political yes. cycle. Well, all of our socialist progressive incumbents aligned with uh, United Working Families um, were elected and reelected. Um, there is a runoff in the first ward with Daniel Espada, but he is going to smoke uh, Sam Royko. You heard it here uh, first. Um, again, um, Royko and his Republican donors are delusional. The first ward has a clear progressive liberal majority. Um, you know, there was a uh, progressive candidate in the race, uh, Andrew Schneider, who's a good guy. Um, there were progressive voters that picked Andrew round one. Um, round two, they're going with Daniel Espada. Daniel Espada's got this. Um, Brandon Johnson won the first ward handily. So so I know it's I know the election's April 4th, but um I would say that um, Daniel is on his way back to the Chicago City Council. There's still some work that needs to be done, um, but uh, when all is said and done, I'm confident. So, so I'm I'm counting that as a win, uh, and and I'm saying that we were all uh, reelected. Um, and man, Byron Sicho Lopez and the 25th Ward IPO faced a deluge of resources from the right wing funded millionaire backed get stuff done pack. So this was a uh, pack that was created uh, by moneyed interests in the city of Chicago, the real estate industry, the developers, polluters, all types of people. They went after Byron, and I think that they thought that he was the weakest link. I think they thought that they were going to be able to take him out. They ended up wasting hundreds of thousands of dollars going up against him. They even, unfortunately, got some support from some people that normally back progressive candidates. And uh, they won overwhelmingly up in the 33rd Ward. Alderwoman Rosana Rodriguez defeated the machine once again. You had the remnants of the Hispanic Democratic Organization. You had the realtors, the developers. You had the moneyed interests, the FOP. Go after Iris Martinez. Uh, sorry, Iris Martinez helped them all go after Rosana Rodriguez. Uh, and Rosana and, and the IPO just walloped them. Um, so um, it, was a, it was a big night, resounding victories. But that's what you should expect when you have principled people 
who are governing in the best interests of their community and are organizing in their communities, right? They're building coalitions. They're talking to residents of all different backgrounds from all different places. And they're saying, how can we work together to make sure that we all have the things that we need to survive and thrive? Um, and some of these people that were backing uh, the, the conservative opposition, they're just cynical, right? They're spending their money because they're thinking, oh, we can buy this election and then we're gonna get someone that's in our pocket but guess what? When the voters figure out what's at stake, when they see that contrast, here's a person that is accountable to our community, who's organizing and building in our community. And here's someone that's propped up by big money uh, that is going to be in the pocket of those big moneyed interests. Consistently, voters across the city uh, are picking the, the better choice, the progressive choice uh, that's going to ensure that we have a more responsive city hall that's aligned with the needs of the people of the city. You know, and uh, when you uh, mentioned uh, Byron Cisha Lopez, uh, and, and you're right. They threw everything at that guy and they were bad mouthing him. And oh, my goodness, it, it seemed like determined to get him out. And I have I have this theory, which um, I call it the Allen Streeter theory. And I name it for an alderman long gone. Nobody remembers him except for me. Uh, but this is my theory. Allen Streeter was appointed by Jane Byrne, I want to say, uh, and then went with Harold eventually. Jane Byrne uh, turned against him and uh, he ran against the quote unquote machine and was victorious. And I was a very young guy then, but I came up with a theory and then Helen Schiller proved it. And I'll share it with you. If you're an independent minded alderman who takes gutsy stands against the all powerful machine, the voters of the city of Chicago, and this is a mixed message that they send, they vote for, for these crummy, Bossy mayors, Daly and Rahm, et cetera, and so forth, year after year. But they will not abandon, by and large, an alderman or an alderwoman who takes a stand against the machine. I think of Alan Streeter back in the day. This is before your time. But when you were a kid, Helen Schiller, Daly threw everything at Helen. Mike Quig she, he ran Mike Quigley against Helen Schiller. He, he said it is goons from the southwest side. She beat him time and time again. And I just had that feeling when Byron was running. I go, you know, in that ward are going to go, why? Why do you hate him so much? He's standing up for us, comes to community meetings, talks about crime, this, that, the other thing. You know what I'm saying, Carlos? I do believe yeah. that the people will reward. I, I, I know this sounds so naive coming from me, but I do believe voters will reward an alderman who takes a strong stand against the powerful forces, uh, be they a mayor or a real estate community or downtown interest. Your thoughts on this? Yeah. People like someone who's independent and stands up for their community first and foremost. Right? They want to know that the person that they're entrusting to be a local administrator, to be their voice in City Hall, uh, to be a steward for their community, that they're going to be looking out for the interests of the people in the neighborhood first and foremost, right? And that they're not gonna be serving some powerful boss in City Hall, whether that be a mayor, or that they're not gonna be serving some deep pocketed developer or landlord or special interest. People want someone who's gonna be for them, that's gonna be accountable to them. Um, and, and I think that when you do the work of building an organization in your community that roots you in your community, that keeps you accountable to your community, like Rosanna did in the 33rd Ward with 33rd Ward Working Families, like Byron has done in the 25th Ward with the 25th Ward IPO. Uh, that gives you a huge home game advantage 
when these moneyed interests swoop in, right? And are putting ridiculous ads on TV and are flooding mailboxes with, you know, just uh, tons and tons of mail. People get that stuff and they're like, wait, no, that's, that's not my alderman, right? My alderman's my neighbor. My alderman's my guy. My alderman is the one that I meet with and who is responsive to the things that I need. So um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just so incredibly proud of, uh, you know, my colleagues, um, you know, we, we still got some work to do with Alderman Daniel Espada, but he's going to pull it off. He's going to pull it off. Um, and, um, and then we got some big pickups. You mentioned Jesse Fuentes, Alderwoman of the 26th Ward. She also faced a deluge of money from the FOP. Um, they were going after her, uh, for, uh, you know, her arrest record from when she was 17 years old. One seven, 17 years old. This is a woman now in her 30s with an accomplished track record of working as a community organizer and as a nonprofit leader, delivering really great things for her neighborhood. Um, she won outright in uh, an open seat against the sitting Democratic committee woman, against uh, one of the most popular DJs in the city of Chicago of all time, uh, Mr. Julian Jumping Perez of B96. No one can ever take that away from him, even though I disagree vehemently with his politics and the campaign he ran. Um, but, um, but yeah, uh, Julia Ramirez in the 12th ward went up against, uh, George Cardenas's machine, uh, went up against uh, a candidate appointed by Lori Lightfoot, who was also getting money, uh, from the get stuff done pack, um, and was getting money from the realtors and, uh, the, the, the other NRA. So I don't know if your listeners know this, but, um, there's the national rifle association. Then there's the national restaurant association. And we call that the other NRA because they are at the forefront of squashing attempts to improve workers' lives, to give them just a little bit more dignity, to protect them from sexual harassment, to give them a raise, um, particularly in the restaurant industry and in, in the service industry. Um, so the Illinois Restaurant Association, which is our local iteration of uh, the NRA, they were backing uh, Annabella Barca against Julia Ramirez. Then they were sending these crazy mailers where they photoshopped Julia Ramirez surrounded by like a city that was on fire. And they were like, this will be the city of Chicago if you vote for Julia Ramirez. And they just like kept sending that. Absolutely wild stuff. Um, so she won. So these are huge uh, progressive uh, pickups. Um, progressive candidates advance to runoff elections uh, in the 46th Ward, we have Angela Clay. Angela Clay, our sister, a longtime organizer rooted in the Uptown community, supported uh, and, and urged to run for office by a beautiful uh, community, diverse community in Uptown. Um, we have, of course, um, in the 10th Ward, Ana Guajardo, uh, who is advancing uh, to the runoff. She's been a longtime organizer with the Centro de Trabajadores Unidos, a worker center on the Southeast side. Um, the list goes on and on. I'm trying to think of who are some other folks that we have in uh, runoffs. Oh, runoffs. Um, well, uh, I was going to say JT was victorious without a runoff, uh, Jeanette Taylor. Right. Uh, oh, and... we, got, we got Lamont Robinson in the fourth ward. We got Desmond Yancey in the fifth ward. Uh, we have um, uh, William Hall. Um, so, yeah, all across the city uh, in wards, we have uh, progressives uh, that are advancing uh, to a runoff. And I think we're going to see an increase in the number of people that are really aligned with progressive values and want to work collectively. Oh, my God. Maria Haddon just demolished. I mean, there's a group of like 
big landlords and realtors in Rogers Park. Um, and they were spending all types of crazy money against her, running the most crazy campaign. And Maria just steamrolled them. It was amazing. She should be so proud. Maria had in 49th Ward. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be interesting. I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here. There's a mayoral race to, uh, still to go on a lot of these runoffs. And so I'm not, I don't, I don't want to get too far ahead of speculating what the city council uh, will look like. That will be a topic for conversation starting April 5th. Uh, when we see the uh, the results from April fourth, and we'll get into and who see the mayor is. I want to close with like a little personal uh, thoughts from you. Uh, now, I always say the Chicago City Council is uh, this is my line. Uh, I Greg Pratt and I always get a kick talking about this. Chicago City Council is sort of like a giant cafeteria in high school. Okay, and it's just like different cliques. They call them factions, cliques, whatever you want to call them. It's not that far removed from your high school days, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so just go for a moment, go back in high school, and you, there's mean girls, you know, there's bullies. Uh, they mock you sometimes. Carlos has been on the show talking about uh, how they tease and taunt back in the old days when he was the only one who voted against the police academy. Uh, so it's a, uh, it's uh, it's in some ways, it's like high school. For years, you've sat next to Carrie Austin, 34th Ward. She's leaving. Now you're going to sit next to Bill Conway. You mentioned it, and that's what popped in my head. Just talk a little bit about what a difference sitting next to Carrie Austin uh, and sitting next to Bill Conway. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I won't be able to tell you um, until I'm sitting next to Bill Conway. I mean, I've had a few conversations with him. He seems like a nice guy. Did not like that he was on stage with Paul Vallis uh, the other night. Um, but, um, I I think that's one of the reasons why I'm really supportive of electing more principal progressives because city council shouldn't be like a high school lunchroom. It shouldn't be focused on petty little games, which is, I think what too many of my colleagues in the past eight years have been focused on. Joe Moreno was notorious for this. I mean, he would like play pranks on people, mean spirited stuff. Um, And it's like, this is serious business. Like we face serious issues as a city. We have people who are dying of drug addiction. We have people who are not receiving the medical attention that they need. We have people who are working long hours and living paycheck to paycheck, who cannot find affordable housing, who are living in substandard housing. We have people who are afraid to walk down the street. And we as a city council can't just leave it up to the mayor, right? We're elected to be in government. In fact, the way that our government is structured, we're supposed to be the main ones leading government, it's supposed to be a strong council, weak mayor system. And I think too many of my colleagues got complacent with a broken status quo where you controlled the things in your ward and probably did some corrupt things and then probably went to jail. And then you just let the mayor set the, the tone at City Hall and determine the way that things are going to work. And I'll tell you what, Rahm himself was a bully. Lori was a bully. So they kind of perpetuated that that culture that you talked about of it being, you know, a mean spirited lunchroom uh, in a high school. Um, but the past four years have been tremendous working with people like Matt Martin and Maria Haddon and Rosana Rodriguez, people who are serious about moving forward an agenda that's going to improve their neighborhoods, that's going to improve the lives of everyone in this city and that understand that that change doesn't just happen in city hall. Yes, we need the elected officials to make the votes and to propose the legislation, but the most important part of that change 
occurs in our neighborhoods and people coming together in coalitions being built to pass legislation like treatment, not trauma in coalitions being built to pass legislation like bring Chicago home. And so we've had a great cohort of older people working on these things and being very serious and not engaging in those lunchroom politics. I think, I know you said we got to wait till April 5th to really figure out, but we already elected at least two more people, Julia Ramirez and Jesse Fuentes that I know are going to be exactly that same type of legislator. And so I know we're going to we're sending back to city council our progressive champions who have taken their jobs very seriously. We've increasing the number of people there that take their jobs seriously and want to pass legislation that's going to improve people's lives. Um, and I think the biggest missing piece now is is the mayor. And that's why we need Brandon Johnson, because he is working his ass off. He for months and months before he announced he was sitting down with people talking to them. Did it matter their ideological persuasion? Because he understands that we're going to need everyone to figure this stuff out. Did it matter where they came from? West side, South side, white, black, Latino. He's been sitting down with everyone to build that coalition. And I feel bad for that man because I know that he's probably made a thousand phone calls. Because, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, there's 50 city council members and then there's like another, you know, 60 uh, state reps. And so, but he's, working through that phone list because he wants to build that team that's going to deliver that transformative change for the city of Chicago. Um, and so I'm really looking forward and, and we got five more weeks and we got a lot more work to do. And we're going to have to put up with a lot of funny business and a lot of fear mongering funded by Republican donors. We're going to have to put up with Charlie Kirk's and little tiny clones of Charlie Kirk on Twitter, uh, repeating the same vitriolic racist fear mongering attacks. But when push comes to shove, I think that the, progressive majority of this city who have progressive and liberal values who voted overwhelmingly for jb pritzker and the fair tax and barack obama we're going to make history and we're going to usher in a new era of progressive reform with a multiracial diverse coalition and it's going to be a new day in chicago it's going to be a beautiful day in chicago and we're going to make that history together and we're going to finish the work that harold washington started before he was uh, tragically taken uh from us at, at, at too young an age yes all right, Carlos, thank you so much for taking time and talking to me. Appreciate it, and I'll bring it back real soon, all right? Appreciate you, Ben. You have a great day. God be thank hopeful. You. Yeah, <laughs> don't be hopeful. Don't be cynical and jaded, okay? Get out and vote. Get out and vote. We got an important election. This is just April 4th. Uh, for what it's worth, I've never missed an election. Okay, I just want to get that out here. Uh, it, it's like an addiction. All right, very much. Uh, thank you much, Carlos. <laughs> Appreciate it. Also want to thank uh, producer Chris. Outstanding job, as he always does. And as I always say, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody. And don't forget, you can catch previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more at chicagoreader.com. And find The Ben Jarofsky Show on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms. cars like these on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader